Hello, everybody, and welcome to an all-new episode of DirtCast. I am your co-host, Madeline Davies. And I am your other co-host, Megan Reynolds. Today on the podcast, we have a guest that I have been highly anticipating before he even agreed to do it. He is the creator of The Surreal Life. He's the creator of Rock of Love, the creator of Flavor of Love. He is uh, Mark Cronin of Little Wooden Boat Productions, and he also, kind of as a surprise, brought along Lisa Lopez, who is his talent producer, and she happens to be married to him Mm -hmm. also. Lucky. He lived it for real. Like, for him, every one of the little relationships was a real relationship, very important to him to figure out whether it was real or not, or I think he believed that house was his. Uh, So before (laughs) we get into all of that, Megan, please tell me how you are doing. Oh, my God. I am doing fine. I'm doing just fine. You have like a very nice like berry lip on. Thank you. It's because I was right. I'm writing my product diary for work today. So I did like a full. You went a little extra. I did like a face. Well, usually also the lipstick has removed itself by the time I arrive because I've usually eaten something, had a coffee, smoked a cigarette, done whatever. Yeah. So usually there's just a line of unintentional lip liner. But that used to be a look. It did. Just not right now. (laughs) Just not at this very moment. Um, I am well. It is the beginning of a new week. Oh, um, yeah. Next week is Thanksgiving, mm-hmm. which means I get to eat and not work, which is great. Yeah, two of my favorite things. Exactly. Spend some time with ye old fam. Um. <laughs> <laughs> but just my sister. See, I just tack myself onto another person's That's family. Nice. That's which great. makes your life much easier in general. It does. It's like you just are observing, yeah, and then everybody like, is so nice to you because yeah, you're a guest. Exactly, and you just like bring a wine bottle of wine, and everyone's yeah. like, "Oh my god, thank you so much! Oh my god, welcome, sit down." My new thing, which feels very adult, Ooh. is um, bringing bouquets of flowers. I love that. Yeah, that's really good because it's like it's different, you it know. Is different. And they probably have enough wine, but they here's a thing you can enjoy for the next week. It's nice because it, exactly, I love that. Yeah. I love I love a fresh flower. In worse news, mm. I think I'm. I've been cursed. Oh, my God. Walk me through it. So Megan knows this. Our listener does not. I've been dealing with a saga where there is some kind of rodent living oh, in my fuck. wall. Oh, I think it's a rat based on, like, the size it sounds like. Do you want to tell the listeners his name? Yeah. So I made a mistake and I named it, which made me kind of, like, project feelings onto it and mm-hmm. personality. So mm-hmm. I named the rat Crunchy because I can always hear it crunching. <laughs> um <laughs> Crunchy stopped crunching. He did. So I think that Crunchy's either dead. Sure. Um, You'll know soon. Yeah. Crunchy either was like having babies, which is disgusting. I sincerely hope not. Crunchy was just like, hey, like we are cool. (laughs) I'm going to move on to another apartment. Um, Uh, But simultaneously, I now have a mouse. Mm. I think it's a mouse. I don't think it's crunchy. It's it's too small for crunchy. Have you seen it? Like you've laid eyes. I've like no. I've like seen like you know how you can only like see a dart. Um, And based on its turds, I believe it's a mouse. Oh, you're just oh, there are turds present. Yeah, there's turds. Ah, Uh, and because I live in a studio, I can like hear it like clacking about at night but like that does not that sounds mouse sized okay great great it doesn't sound like the size of like a kitten no because that would be a rat i think yes there was a rat in your house i would you could just stay at my house until further notice oh yeah no i would literally anywhere else i would be sleeping in this studio perfect we would set up a little cot it would be awesome it wouldn't matter what time of night it could be you know three in the morning and i would come back run out of that apartment just, just sit okay great um 
I have been very lucky in living in since living in New York, only having like I had a couple mice mm. that didn't turn into a big problem. Right. I'm wondering if now's like my time. I mean, it could be. But because today I was walking out of my boyfriend's apartment and on the doorstep, dead rat. <gasps> what? Are you kidding? I'm sorry. I'm I then so upset. Like gingerly stepped around it, <laughs> walked to the sidewalk, God. turned, took maybe two paces, another dead rat. Are you joking? Why would you what here a terrible right joke? Now? I mean, that would be a why would you joke about that? That would be awful. How are you here right now? I would have been like convalescing somewhere. But the point is, I think I've been cursed. You might be. <laughs> um, I wish, I think like if Crunchy did it, that's super rude because that was so cool to, agreed. to crunch. Agreed, crunch. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I don't know. The more realistic Fuck. ideas is that someone has rat poison in the neighborhood. Right. Or the other one is... There's a a lot of like outdoor cats on oh, that block, mm. and there's one that like I'm pretty chill with. Oh, nice. His name right. is Orange Cat. Oh, Orange Cat. Hey, girl. <laughs> or boy. Unclear. It's definitely a boy. Okay, He's hey, a boy. big guy. Um, <laughs> but I'm like, maybe Orange Cat just like went on a real tear last night and was taking out rats left and right. Oh my god. But I I think the most obvious answer is, is I'm cursed. Or oh, I'm sorry. No, definitely. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Matt. Um. This is, I mean, we had a mouse in my apartment, and I have two cats who are mostly shitty, um, but very attractive. And they're very, they're very handsome cats. Thank you. But the mouse darted out from under the oven one day and making its way towards the refrigerator. Both, I saw it with my own eyes and screamed, and both cats, like, were paralyzed with, I don't know. They They were looking at it. They were tracking it. They didn't engage with it in a way that I expected either one of them to. And then uh, we got like 10 traps and killed it immediately. <laughs> Your cats were like, fuck no. They were like, oh, I don't know about this. And they both like went down and like took a nap. And then we went to the Dwayne Reed and bought 10 mouse traps, the, lined the kitchen with them, and then it was dead. The was cat, great. yeah. I mean, you, you got it. I got that motherfucker. The Good cat night. I had growing up would like kill them and leave them on your pillow I don't like that. or I in really... your slipper. But the thing was, you always, it was so gross, but you always had to. Be like, oh Thanks. my god, I love you. Because it is like a nice. They, it's like a, the They're only proud. nice thing that cats do. Is Literally, the only you, nice thing they present you with their kill. Yeah, and I'm just like, hey, this is for you. Like, oh my god, look what I did. Like, oh cool. And so it's just like mm, very nice gift. Thank you so. Oh much. Oh my god, the slipper move is really yeah. just. You'd have to. Did you? I would have. I would just be never wear slippers. I guess. I don't know. I don't really remember. That's okay. It was probably very traumatic, and you probably blocked it. Yeah, I just blacked out. Yeah, that's fine. I would have done the same thing. Well, I hope you um, get this issue resolved. Oh, me too. Um, I am looking forward to any and all updates. I was like Crunchy. I was. I was good to you. You were good to Crunchy. I just hope um, he or she has not perished within the walls. Me too. Because it's gonna smell. Oh, I know. I mean, yeah. I know. Okay. I'm from Wisconsin. All right, all right. We, we, we deal with a decaying animal <laughs> with or two. With a decaying? Okay. <laughs> okay, speaking of decay, let's get into the dirtiest dirt. Ugh. Um... <laughs> <clears throat> Let's rip off the Band-Aid. Let's just knock out the bad men situation first. So last week, the New York Times published a story about Louis C.K., a comedian who is 
whatever. Revered. Revered. I think he's whatever. Many people enjoy him Staunchly immensely. defended. Yes. Um, a story was published in The Times. Five women came forward saying that Louis C.K. had masturbated in a room with them, like, against their will. Like, it's, without It's consent. dicey. It's like, yeah, I'm... It was basically, I think some of them were like, we didn't leave, but it right. was very, there was a lot, there was, you know, an unspoken pressure. Right. So it's kind of where uh, consent becomes... Like gray. A gray a area. Bit, yeah. And and I mean that in the way where if it becomes gray, then... Then there's no consent. There's no consent. Yeah, yeah. Um, like gray is not like go. Yeah. But there's, <laughs> I don't know, it's like a lot of like uh, underlings who work yeah. for him. He would ask, you know, can I jerk off in front of you? Right. And just based on their position they felt like they couldn't say no right. or and lo- just thinking logistically if you're like in a room with someone who's jerking off and you like don't want to be in that room you don't know what they're going to do if you like make a move towards the door yeah so you're you are just kind of like there right for the thing that happens so this this story came out um story that i i mean Anna Merlin and I wrote a thing about how we've been chasing this story for years because yeah. we've talked to people, you know, on background mm-hmm. uh, about their, these experiences. <clears throat> we've known these stories for a long time, but yeah. it's very, very hard to report on them without people who are willing to go on the, the record. Right. And it's very understandably hard to convince people to go on the record because there's not a lot of rewards there's to putting your name to, zero. to this type of thing. Exactly. Um, so, like, I have nothing bad to say about women who would rather not, you know, don't want to come forward. Right. Um, but it is just interesting in that it's another one of those Weinstein things yeah. where people have known, people have known for so long, mm-hmm. and it's just now coming out, which is... Both good and also depressing. Yeah. I don't know. Um, Louis C.K. also issued in an apology. It's not an apology. It was, I mean, it was, it was apology in that he said, like, I apologize. He said, I apologize. He also confirmed that he did what the women said. Yeah. I mean, he basically alluded to the fact that it was an abuse of power yeah. on his part. He said the phrase, like, People who admired me. Yeah, these women admired me. He said that multiple times in the apology. It was very like, I'm admired, I'm admired, yeah. I'm awesome, I'm so funny. Like, oh my god, I'm so I sorry. Should, oh, I just, oh, oh, I'm fuck. sorry. Oh my god. Um, gross. So that happened. Uh, he is going to, I guess, not do work for a while. He's been dropped from like yeah. a Netflix special that was coming out with him in April has been dropped. FX isn't going to work with him anymore. HBO is removing all of his uh, all of his comedy things from streaming, I think. Well, and then his manager his is ma- like... Oh, Dave Becky. Yeah, has had a lot of accusations about how he tried to stifle these stories. Right. He claims he only knew of one of them and right. apologized for that. But it's yeah. like, one is enough. One Which one, is, I don't believe you. No, I don't believe Two, him for a second. One is enough. Yeah, that's uh, all you need. And he's like being dropped by a lot of his clients. Yeah, the famous comedy world is really being... Shaken up. Shaken up by this uh, gross thing that has happened. That everyone knew about. That everyone fucking knew about. <laughs> well, yeah, this like follow-up item you added about how Jon Stewart... Of The Daily Show, very good friend of Louis C.K., longtime supporter. mm -hmm. He was on The Today Show, apparently, and said that he was stunned. What was the impact on you when you heard not only the the accusations, but his admission? Um, Stunned. 
I think, you know, um, you give your friends a benefit of the doubt. I tried to think of it in terms of, you know, I've had friends who have compulsions and who have done things, gambling or drinking or drugs, and we've lost some of them. Some of them have died. And you always find yourself back to a moment of, did I miss something? Could I have done more? Are the thing. And in this situation, I think we all could have. He is a liar. He's a fucking liar. He's a blatant liar. Yeah. You know how I know this? Oh. Because I've written about Jon Stewart in relationship to this before. Oh. Not that he, like, follows my writing at all. Because sure. he hates Jezebel. So, I, yeah. you know, I don't think he's, like, well, a Neither here nor there. Yes. Um, <laughs> but a student at a talk asked Jon Stewart about the Louis C.K. allegations. Oh, I remember And he responded really, like, snarkily. Oh, I totally remember this. And kind of said the same thing, like, I don't know what you're talking about. But it's like, clearly, at least it's been brought up at a certain point. Women in the the industry have said, oh, this is an open secret. Right. But in this case, you said you were stunned. I was stunned, yeah. You hadn't heard that. No. Uh, I heard, so a year ago, I was doing a a podcast with David Axelrod, and a man in the audience asked me about it. Um, but in the context of that, and I hadn't heard yeah. at that point of any of it. So I was, you know, he said, what do you think about this allegations against Louis C.K.? And my first response was, what? There's no way that, like, your female writers didn't know about this. Yeah, I and mean, people talk. Yeah, I don't know. I just, and every single person who says they didn't know, I think it's just, I think it's what we all do with, men in our lives who have exhibited predatory behavior yeah. that doesn't necessarily feel dangerous. Right. And so it's very, you know, <laughs> like, what a what a jerk, you Like, know? oh, my God, he did that thing. Like, and, like, yeah, we kind of joke fuck. about it. And that's what women do and what women have been doing. Right. You it's know? what you do so that you don't, like, get very upset all the time. Yeah. Which I, again, I understand it. Yeah. Not everything is traumatizing. You not know? everything is traumatizing. But oh. this is still, like, not awesome. So there, I'm just, there's no way that he, he didn't know. There's yeah. no way that Mark Maron, his, I asked my friend and he said no and that's I believed nice. him. That's good. Sorry, that's my Mark Maron. That's really good. That's pretty good, actually. I like that. It was always out there, but then it would pick up momentum at different times. And I would ask him about it. I I, I would say that what, this this story about you forcing... You know these women to to watch you jerk off. What is what is that? Is that is that true? He goes, no, it's it's not true. It's not real. It's a rumor. And I would say, well, are you going to address it somehow? Do you, you know, to handle it? To get out from under it whenever it shows up? He goes, no, I can't. I can't do that. It, it, it'll give it life. It'll give it air. And that that was the conversation. Yeah, all these mother. What like- the fuck? <laughs> <Is> that good? <laughs> Yeah, that's great. I my, oh my god! <laughs> First time I met you, I hated you. <laughs> Let's had, talk about I it. I had a nightmare of being trapped in his garage <laughs> at the cat ranch. <laughs> yeah, I'm losing it. I'm losing oh it. It's not god. going great it's anymore. Okay. That was a good start, though. You came out strong. Thank you. It You're really welcome. did. That was good. It it, it <laughs> fell apart, it, but it's okay. <laughs> well, I feel like you, know. you didn't expect that you had to like keep going. With no, it, I pushed know. myself. You did. It's okay. You know, there's always next time. That's what we do as artists. <laughs> <laughs> Creatively, oh. I have to push myself until I can't. Okay. Um, yeah. So everyone who says they didn't know probably fucking knew, and they should have. I mean, I guess I don't know if it's better to feign shock or to just be like. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. That? Oh, yeah. I knew about that. Well, I think also Louis himself has been confronted with these questions for Multiple years times. where yeah. he could have before said 
yeah, I did this fucked up thing. Yeah. You know. There's been ample opportunity. So it feels very cynical to now say that he's sorry. I agree. And uh, gross. Just gross is yeah. my my takeaway. Gross and bad. Oh, there is that one part in the Times article that was so fucked up where one of the women said that he called her and apologized for the wrong thing. So he apologized for oh pinning god. her to the wall. Oh my god, that's And right. she <laughs> had no recollection of that. So she just assumes that that's just another woman who he's confusing her oh with. Oh my lord. Ugh. Which, if you have have done this to so many people that you can't remember yeah. who you did what to. Yeah. There's, there's Hello? You're kind of past the point of... Uh, there's an issue. Yes. There's a fucking issue. On Oops! The Podcast, join me, comedian Julio Gallarotti, as I examine everyday life, the mistakes, the bad decisions, the goals, the jokes, the social engagements, and all things in between. I'm joined every week by producer and personal confidant, Ryan Lynch, various other comedians for witty, candid, and intoxicating conversation. Our listeners love Oops! for sophisticated banter, aka your mom could listen, and many feel like they're in the room with us chopping it up with old pals. You can find every episode of the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or YouTube. Um, this next item just deserves one to two sentences, and the quote that I put in here I think is funny, so I'll just... Kim Kardashian was having a third child via surrogate. She had a baby shower. The baby shower was full of flowers and roses and things, just like her entire sort of like vibe. Kylie Jenner, apparently, her half-sister who is also rumored to be pregnant but has yet – has not actually confirmed her pregnancy. No. She's been only posting photos though from the of like, boobs up. Yeah, exactly. She also – May have had a baby shower. Um, apparently, she had a party the same weekend. It was pajama themed. There was an omelet bar and a waffle bar. Um, I love that. I know, me too. I was like, <laughs> it sounds great. It sounds so cozy. Um, but the one quote that I pulled out of the East story that I found ridiculous is, in fact, the businesswoman continues to keep fans guessing about her relationship with Travis. That's Travis Scott. Are they engaged and whether or not she is planning a gender reveal photo shoot? Here is what I do not think would ever happen in the history of the Kardashian Jenners. A gender reveal photo shoot. It I also, can't see what. It would be interesting if you have a transparent mm. to, you know, think of gender in such like, black and white terms. Yeah, yeah. I agree. I mean, maybe in her case that influences it in some way. Right. That just I is curious to me. I don't think that she would think about that, what you just brought up. And I also don't think that she would have a gender reveal photo shoot. I just can't see yeah. it happening. This is maybe dicey territory. But okay. if you use a surrogate and you're as rich as Kim Kardashian, yeah. do you get to have a baby shower? That's a great question. I feel like <laughs> no. I mean, I guess the point of a baby shower for the most part is to, you know, like get things that you'll feasibly need for your baby, right? Sure. So if you're just like a person who – If you're like a regular per- – like not a yeah. famous person, right? And you use a surrogate, which already is a huge expense, you right. know. I could kind of see then having a baby shower yeah. just to get 
get the stu- whatever the diaper cakes and yeah. whatever. I don't know. It feels very Handmaid's Tale, doesn't it? It is. It's I just her entire third pregnancy. Just stop. And by, just to clarify, I'm not saying the surrogate feels very handmade. I'm saying the party. The party. Kim <laughs> like, is like, yes. I get like pregnancy was miserable for her. And yes. I do not think that women should be tied to having babies. Agreed. You know, the party I, just weirds me out. The par- I agree. I think it is a little strange. I hope that both of them, I just, done, no more. I'm good with kids in their family. They're not done. There's no I way. I know. I know. I feel like we won't hear any confirmation from her until she actually has the child. Yeah. And I think it's supposed to be due in like February. Well, mazel. Can't wait, mazel. This next item is <laughs> kind of proves what I, a, a pet theory that I've had about Jenna Fisher, Pam from The Office. Pam from The Office, and John Krasinski, who's Jim from The Office. Jenna Fisher has a new book out called The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide. Has she survived? I don't don't know. The only thing I see her in now is um, when I'm watching the TV, a streaming something or other, there are ads for, what is it, a website called House, H-O-U-Z-Z, and I think I'm not entirely sure what it is, to be honest. It has something to do with houses. But there's like a weird web series with Mila Kunis, mm. um, Kyrie Irving, Jenna Fisher, and Kristen Bell. Okay. And they're like buying houses for their family, and it's a web series that I think you stream on house.com. I've never actually followed up with it. I will one of these days because I'm very curious. But that is, the, that is the most recent thing I've seen Jenna Fisher doing. Home means to me family. Home is the place where I feel most comfortable. It's where I'm with the people I love the most. My husband, my kids, my sister, my parents. My family are my best friends. I'm Jenna Fisher, and this is my house. She very well could be on a sitcom or something. I'm just not in the Jenna Fisher uh, loop in the way I used to be. Same. My personal theory about Jenna Fisher and John Krasinski is that I think that she actually developed feelings for John, like real feelings for John Krasinski while they were working together. And he did not because she has said like over the years, she is, there have been various quotes from her that were like, we were really in love. And then she had to like clarify them to be like, weren't actually in love. Like, as Jim and Pam. As Jim and Pam. Like, the characters were in love, blah, blah, blah. Um, so this is a quote from her new book, The Actor's Life, A Survival Guide, question mark. And it's talking about the first time Pam kissed Jim in the office. Uh, she says, when he walked away, I felt completely transported into a new reality. I was Pam. I was talking with my mother, and my heart was breaking. I spoke into the phone telling her I was in love with Jim, but I couldn't confess my feelings to him. Suddenly, Jim walked in the door. I turned and saw him, and my heart felt like it might burst out of my chest. I wanted so much to tell him how I felt, but before I could, he kissed me. It was perfect. I think she's a little nuts. Okay. (laughs) Because she said that before about when she said that she felt like they were really Yeah, she did. Um, And John Krasinski responded with basically saying... No, we're yeah. actors. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it clearly made him uncomfortable. Yes, especially like I don't know. Yeah, he's like a family guy now. He's whatever. Like, yeah, married to Emily Blunt. But it clearly made him uncomfortable. Yes, in a way where he was very open that it made him uncomfortable. Right. Like the way his statement about her statement was very like, no, dude. Like we were actors. Yeah. I'm married to Emily Blunt. 
blah, blah, blah. I got really hot for that movie that one time. Oh, yeah. He got really hot. I think he's pretty hot Me in general. Too. I've always thought he was um, In like a real – like in like a realistic way. Like a real way. person way. Although he's probably one of those people who if you saw him in real life, you'd be like, no, he's just a like, movie star. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. But his the vibe that he presents is one of like attainable hot. Yeah. Which is nice. Um, but I think it's very weird if you're that close to someone – and they'd say, hey, this thing you said made me uncomfortable. Right. To then double down on it. In a book. In a book. I agree. Something's something's up. I don't know what. It just makes me... Makes me sad a little. Yeah. For both of them. Yeah. I mean, the book, this didn't need to make it into the book. I mean, what else are you going to talk I about? I don't fucking know. The how that I would love, I would love if the book was about the house web series <laughs> because I need more information. She wasn't... Uh... She was in Walk Hard. She was. I love that movie. We're married. Uh, I did the right thing. It's not like we're not married. If you're already married, you can't get married again. I know, I know. And that was wrong, but it's just... We were such good friends, and you told me about that dream where you were licking my balls, and that seemed like a signal, and... I forgot. That's very that's funny. a good movie. <laughs> yeah. I do think she's on some show right now. Okay. Maybe. Okay. But I also think that I could have just – I feel like she's someone who I could just always insert into a trailer for something. Yes, yes, yes. Just like, I'm here. Yep, yep, <laughs> yep. Um, it sounds like I hate Jenna Fisher. I don't. I, I, thought love, she was, I like her. I liked her on The Office a lot. Same. I liked her in Walk Hard a lot. Also same. I just think that it's Something's weird up. that she's pushing this narrative still. I do too. Um, so I hope John she... Krasinski does not want to be included in it. <laughs> I just hope she finds peace. Amen. <laughs> We talk about Blake Sheldon. Yes. Uh, <laughs> so, our friend Gossip Cop uh, oh, reported an exclusive that Blake Shelton is going to be uh, people's sexiest man alive. <laughs> Megan's choking. I am having such difficulty with this. He's so not sexy. I mean, so uh, the title is always Benton. For marketing. It's always of someone course. has a movie coming yeah, out. Or and, like an album or something. Or I guess what it used to be is it used to be the women of the people office would vote. Oh. Um, and then like in later years it just became like, like a marketing yeah, thing. Yeah. So it's just got it. Blake has a lot of projects cooking. The voice. He just put out a new album. Gwen Stefani. He has Gwen Stefani. <laughs> He's opening up a second restaurant. He has a first restaurant? Old Red. Oh wow! He has one in Tishomingo, Oklahoma, and one and one opening in Nashville. Thank God! Can't wait um, for a road yeah. trip. And then his new um, album is called Texoma Shore. He's just like <laughs> such a doofus. He is such a doofus. He's not sexy. Well, and also it's like I don't think personally. He can't even be like, oh, he has some like weird like redneck street cred. Oh sure, no, because yeah. he has a put on redneck street right. cred. Right. Right. <laughs> God. And just, I don't know. He, he is just Mr. Hollywood, you know? He yeah. is dating the former singer of No Doubt. Right. Who has kids with Gavin Rosdale. Like, he's not... Right. He's very, very Hollywood. Yeah. He, but he, like, still is trying to be like, I got my pickup truck and my natty lights and I'm going to crack one open <laughs> <Yeah>. and <laughs> okay. whip up my dick. <laughs> <laughs> we were talking today in Slack about how, like, this weird heteronormative yeah. world that he projects it's is just song. so... 
Yeah, name an old dog. Name the dogs. You name the. I name that. He names the dogs. Yeah, you cook the dinner. You cook. The, I no, name the, the dogs. I think she names the babies. He <laughs> names the dogs. She parks her car in the driveway. He parks his pickup truck on the grass. I'll put a little swing on the front porch if you put a little tea in my glass. Yeehaw. Um, etc. So on. She does things. She gets to be pretty. But he gets to be funny. I hate He's it. not I funny. Hate and his features are all compressed in the center of his face. I was thinking. And there's a lot of real estate surrounding it. They're like the exurbs are like. The, his face is the city. And like the rest of it, it's just awful. I think what I find crazy is so now Adam Levine and Blake Shelton have both won. Uh, oh, they have. Sex okay. Been Alive. When Adam Levine won, I wrote something very I'm just gonna call it cruel I also did for another um, website yeah um <laughs> oh my God. and it like kind of became a thing it oh. like it got quoted in his GQ profile oh, and kind of shaped his GQ profile nice um and yeah so I wrote something that was very funny but very unkind comparing Adam to Blake I Whoa. think I would pick Adam which is never a oh, choice man. I would make. I was any... so upset, but I would too. Levi, our producer, is giving me a thumbs up that I picked right. Oh, <laughs> I would too. Fuck. Which I could not at that point in time. I couldn't imagine a world where I know. No, Adam Levine is still like he's like a walking tattered T-shirt. Yeah, he's he is what he is. He is what he is. I came up with a lot of very good I metaphors. Cannot, I time. cannot wait to revisit this. Yeah, I think I anthropomorphized leather wrist cuff. That is exactly what he is. It's disgusting. <laughs> 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 He's gross. I mean, but yeah, if I had to pick, oh, I guess it would be Adam Levine. And I feel like he would just sing in a falsetto all the time and I'd be so annoyed. While doing it. While doing it. And I feel like he'd be. Ugh. It's like too. I don't know. I don't feel good anymore. But I feel it's just, ill. It's a crazy. It's a topsy turvy world. It is. What I is twenty seventeen? <laughs> None of us know. A terrible time for everybody. So yeah, Blake Shelton, congratulations. You are the sexiest man alive. As so, you know, so be it. <sighs> so be it. So as people, as people says. Yeah, as it goes. As we must live our as lives. As we must live our lives. So um, congrats, Blake, and uh, congrats, Gwen. Yeah, well, I'll go meet at Old Red later for, Can't a, wait. for a pint or two <laughs> of Labatt Blue. So we are here with a guest who I have wanted on the show since we started the show. He is, um, I'm going to go ahead and say the father of celebrity. Uh, he is the founder of Little Wooden Boat Productions, Mark Cronin. Hi. Hello. And then Hello. we Great also have uh, Lisa Lopez, who is the casting director for a lot of Mark's shows and also his wife. Also Hi. my wife. Hi, everybody. Cast Hello. as his partner in life. <laughs> yes. <laughs> the ultimate role. <laughs> Bam. <laughs> Thank you both so much for we're being very here. Oh, um, we're very happy to be here. Yay. For people yeah. who don't recognize uh, the names straight off the bat, 
Mark is the brain behind the surreal life and Rock of Love and Flavor of Love and all the aforementioned spinoffs. So many. About 25 years of reality television shows. Well, so our first question is, and this is according to like my Wikipedia research, so please, if it's wrong... No, I wrote me. that Wikipedia oh. entry, so it's. Oh uh, I, I agree with it completely. Um, oh my god, fabulous! So <laughs> you <laughs> graduated from University of Pennsylvania with a degree in chemical engineering. I did. How do you pivot to reality TV? It was it was a drastic and sudden pivot. When you're in college, you can you have a full life and you can have your major. And I kind of looked at my major as my uh, vocational training. Uh, I wanted to graduate to a nice starting salary, and I literally looked at the list of ma- college majors, and the one that had the highest starting salary was chemical engineer. So I made this brilliant decision to go into chemical engineering it's for amazing. the start. Yeah, it's, uh, it's uh, such a mistake, but that's what happened. And then um, in the meantime, I did uh, theater. I was in an all-male comedy troupe at Penn called Mask and Wig, and we would write our own comedy sketch shows and even go on tours with it. And But I never looked at it as a career. I thought it was just for people people who were going to starve if they tried to do that. Mm. So chemical engineering it was for me, and I graduated and actually got a job as a chemical engineer, and that's when I realized the horror of my mistake. Sure. And, uh, like, when oh, I, they earn this money. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And then when you enter the real world, like, all of a sudden there is no extracurricular life. It's yeah. like your career is your whole world. Right. And uh, so, and I hate engineers. I apologize to the engineers in the audience, but they're just, I, <laughs> I don't like hanging out with engineers. Oh I God. don't like. I don't like engineers. We don't so. want them listening to this show. You know exactly. There are probably, they're probably no chemical engineers listening to the show right now, and that's the problem with them. So anyway, so <laughs> I uh, knew I was in the wrong world. I was just literally in the wrong world. And my friends who had gone into entertainment, like I had some friends with PAs at MTV, and they were you know helping load the audience at re- the show Remote Control or something, and they're making, I don't know. $400 a week and I thought I was so much smarter but then I realized that they were just having all this fun and they mm-hmm. had you know they had cubicles with with music and little <laughs> magnet boards and I just had this nasty little computer with like binders of calculation tables and it was horrible and I realized I'd done something terrible to myself by going into that and eventually I figured it out and so I started um, for free sending in sketches my target was I, I would of course would have liked to have been hired by Saturday Night Live, but that wasn't in the cards. Uh, they seemed to have kind of a Harvard mafia over there. Mm. And then David Letterman was in town in those days, and I would love to have been hired there, but that wasn't going to happen. They had kind of a Harvard mafia there, and and so I found the show, this television show, being produced in Secaucus, New Jersey, by Howard Stern. And I figured, you know what? I bet you they don't have a Harvard mafia <laughs> over there. Yeah. And I bet you I could get in there. <laughs> And I started writing sketches and faxing them in in those days. Uh, Faxed in these sketches to the directly to the executive producer's desk. That's how low budget they were. This is the executive producer of the Whack Pack. Yeah, well, yeah, the (laughs) executive producer of the Howard Stern television show that was on Channel Nine in New York in the '90s. Very groundbreakingly tawdry show. And so uh, I got hired. I got hired and I quit engineering and started writing for Howard Stern, which was amazing. Like beyond fabulous like he's an amazing guy he's a creative fount of energy he was very supportive of me and they had a very small staff and so I did a lot I did a lot of writing I did a lot of producing right away and I never looked back engineering you know forget it it was, the, it so was the right move I everyone think. stay away from the stem fields go into comedy <laughs> writing <just> stay <laughs> we don't need anyone else in stem fuck it um, <laughs> so 
I guess, how did you come up with The Surreal Life? You know, what happened was uh, I was producing studio-based shows. I was producing talk shows and game shows for the most part. Singled Out was... Singled Out. Oh, was, it wasn't my creation Singled Out, but I was the showrunner on it nice. for, yeah. for three seasons. And uh, I really was... A, I, I knew a lot about studio production, but also comedy. I was, And I had to deal with a lot of celebrities from the talk show I was doing called The X Show at that time. So I knew a lot of celebrities, and I was kind of a big comedy guy. And then at my agency, there was another production uh, producing team that were real big on the real world kind of shows, like in the real world, you know, shooting in the field or shooting in a house. And that was Chris Abrego and Rick Teas. And our agent put us together and said, why don't you guys, since you guys know how to produce something in the field like that, and Cronin knows all this comedy and celebrity world, why don't you guys try to come up with something together? The original idea was, could we do a reality sitcom with sitcom stars that basically <laughs> take sitcom people that are no longer on sitcoms and put them in a house and make a dad and a mom and a son like oh cast for a family basically and that is basically what it was except that we opened it up we couldn't just do it with sitcom people so we ended up with musicians like right. mc hammer and you know other other we took from all aspects of stardom and uh threw them in a house together and that was the surreal life the thing about me is that I am the most down-to-earth celebrity you'll ever meet. I'm not here to be anyone's mom. I've got two kids of my own. It's not my job to be their mom. A celebrity should never talk about they got a tough life. It's so wimpy to complain. I kind of act like a married person without the husband. I'm looking for Mr. Wright if you're out there. Life is now. Almost everything I do is fun. <laughs> Basically, on Survivor, I was labeled a roaring bitch. You either love me or you hate me. Now, the biggest ass in the world or the nicest guy in the world. We actually wanted to create a reality sitcom, was the idea. So what was, and you can probably speak to this a little bit, Lisa, the recruitment process like, where is it hard to get Peter Brady time, to agree to be on a show? Or? At the time, it was extremely difficult. Right. Interesting. Um, the rap on reality television in the early part of the century was that any person who wants to be an actor should never do reality television. It will end your career. Nobody will ever send you another script the minute you show up on a reality show. Mm -hmm. It was the bottom barnacle of show business, uh, and it was really felt that celebrities shouldn't touch it. And I would go out to them. I basically did, you know, was had ran point on casting the uh, the early surreal life along with a woman named Lori Muslow. And we had alternative methods of finding our, getting to our celebrities often. Like Lori would book herself into a, uh, into the salon chair next to them <laughs> and just start chatting, chatting them up. And, you that know, is, oh my God. Uh, we, and we would, but the pitch was, you're a headline. MC Hammer, you're a headline. You're the guy who went broke. And that's all anybody knows now. You know, can't touch this, and he went broke. And that's all they know. But really, you're this amazing guy. You're a dad. You're a minister. You're a, you give great advice. You're funny. You're, you know, you're just an amazing man. You're, the, you're an awesome guy, and nobody knows that about you. And the way to get over your headline is to get on TV, into people's living rooms, being who you really are. And that pitch worked pretty well. Yeah, that's yeah. good. Yo, you like that? <laughs> no, that's really good. I'm like, all the fuck it. But like, also, I, I remember the episode where the, he, they, everyone goes to his church. So. Right, right, exactly. Right. Well, the idea, was, and that really was my feeling about it. And, you know, we got a lot of rap in the press for, you know, they'd called has-been house or, you know, D-level celebrities and things like that. And I would, I'd always say, wow, that's really kind of nasty since these are people who have done something. These are yeah. people who have had number one shows and been on, been in big movies. Mm -hmm. And they're not 
talentless people. They're extremely talented people. And uh, there's also a funny thing. Different industries have different feelings about their former stars. In music, there's no such thing really as a has-been. Anybody who is a former musician is kind of a in the pantheon of the continuum of the progress of music, and they're an inspiration to the musicians that come after them, and right. and so they're they they're revered. So so there's no such thing really as a has-been musician. But in television and movies, if you're not currently in a movie, mm-hmm. you're a has-been, mm-hmm. which is kind of sad because. You know, Hasbin is only one script away from being right back on top. And so it's just a nasty term. But it's what the press kind of labeled the show a Hasbin kind of show. But I really feel like we stayed true to the idea that it was, you know, showing celebrities for who they really are without their protected publicist you know, presentation mm-hmm. that they would, you know, go on a on a talk show and just do an anecdote that had been pre-produced, you know, to discuss. The Surreal Life let you see them, you know, try to work out problems with each other or just cohabitating is such an enormous challenge for people. When well, people uh, fell in love. Yeah, we had, yes, absolutely. We I had did. several ex- yeah. extremely so odd relationships come out of that, yeah. <laughs> Flavor Flav and Bridget Nielsen. When I first met Bridget, she scared me a little bit. I was like, whoa, and she's a big woman. Oh, yeah. Really? Whoa. And then what? Can I tell you something? Lady, 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 listen. When she did that, normally I will beat your ass. Lady, lady, Please don't do that lady, again, though. It was really a real family in, the, in this real life houses. Yeah. You know, with, with real life family problems, yeah. sickness, you know, sadness. What what are we going to eat for dinner? Those kinds of things. There's the mom in the group, the dad in the group. You know, everybody's kind of got their place in mm-hmm. the family sad when it ends too yeah well yeah. And like they're all people they're just maybe people with slightly inflated egos but sure. yeah. which probably helps with the actual watchability of well, that yeah. Yeah. celebrities tend to have um, bigger than life personalities anyway I mean mm-hmm. they're in show business they're right. movie stars for a reason or were movie stars <laughs> or they were big you know MC Hammer is a huge personality right and so to put to cram a house full of these big uh, bigger than life uh, personalities is was almost a perfect combo for uh, you know Conflict. Right. Sure. Conflict and resolution. <laughs> yeah. The definition of drama. It's funny that you, you're the way you explain music of one artist inspires another one and inspires another one. So they never really go away. So your shows begat other shows, which yes. begat other shows. Right. Yes. I am very curious to know is what made you decide who was ripe for a spinoff? So, like, what was, you know, okay, we can make a show about Flavor Flav dating a bunch of different women or, you know. Well, that, it all, every single spinoff, I think, came about f- pretty organically. Mm-hmm, it absolutely. was, the, the first step of it was, you're, we all would watch the show getting taped and we'd be sitting in a garage. Uh, you know, the that was gar- our office. The garage of the <laughs> yes. house, basically. They're mm-hmm. all in the house and oh, we're in the garage it. and we're watching on monitors. And you can see who's popping off of the screen, who's right. riveting, who's so exciting to watch you can't take your eyes off them. Who's not who's, so exciting to watch. Right. You know, you, know, so. right. you know who's dropping by the wayside and who's mm-hmm. who's rising as an amazing star. Like New York. And, <laughs> like, like New, New York. York. Oh, yes, New like, York. Like there are My people. good old friend New York. Oh, Tiffany. <laughs> oh, Tiffany. Look at him playing with the Yeah. 
was definitely a good feeling to see the, that the other girls had to go off and make their own plans. You know, I got the man. So I know that was eating them up. Rightfully so, I'm glad it did. You know, I, I don't want them feeling good. I, I want them to feel like shit. So hopefully they did. <laughs> she, Tiffany's amazing. Like she's not. She doesn't ever say anything that's not ridiculous. That is right. true. No. You know. So it's and that's, <laughs> and that's, a, that's, that's a talent. And that's really Tiffany. <laughs> yeah. She's she's actually put on this planet to be a talent, because she can say things, just like you and I across the table now, just having conversation. Like she'll say something so out of the box that you're like, what the. Fuck? Did yeah. she just say, oh, my God, this lady's crazy. But that's really who she is. And you have to love her and embrace her for that. And I think that's why she was able to go as long as she did in the shows. Well, and she's still around. And she's yeah. still just, she's yeah. still relevant. I don't know. She really she is. She went overseas. So eventually, yeah. eventually what would happen is, I mean, in the early days, we'd pitch a spinoff and make a big presentation for it and uh, – put together a pitch for what the show was but by the later days we would we'd be sitting in our garage and the network execs would be behind us in their armchairs and we would turn around and say see that that's the next show and they'd mm. go yep and then that'd be right. that and we'd be off and running with another show it got it got to be an amazing shorthand we had with VH1 for creating new shows you're like look at Daisy she's incredible yeah, there you go there. there's another there one she is. Daisy. Yeah. I almost kicked your ass out the first night you were drunk in the closet but already had this weird, crazy, strong attraction to you. And then it broke my heart. I think we'd both love to talk about Rock of Love. Outside this Bel Air bachelor pad, 25 babes have gathered because they have two things in common. Their love for rock and roll and for one man who's made it his life. Hi, I'm Brett Michaels. I'm the lead singer Poison. 20 million records sold. Rock and roll was my number one love. Yeah, that's both, I think, both uh, yeah, of our personal favorites. For sure. Over. Um, <laughs> <laughs> who in, in that show, such a wonderful program, What? who do you think the joke was on? Is it on Brett, the women... Us. No one. Well, now you're presupposing viewers. that there's there, there's right. a jo- there's okay, a joke sure. on someone here. Sure. Now I think here's the story of these uh, dating shows mm-hmm. where we're we're basically doing The Bachelor, obviously. Yeah. Not actionably for right. any of the lawyers in the audience, yep. but uh, but the idea that we have an eligible bachelor. It started with Flavor Flay for us, right? Um, which we just thought was hysterical because The Bachelor was always such a gauzy prince and princess kind of theme and it was like just so beautiful and the, he was so perfect and the girls were so perfect and, <laughs> and their romance was so perfect. perfect and, and boy, talk about an imperfect Bachelor and Flavor Flav. But right. the great thing about right. Flavor Flav was he was honestly honest in his regard for the woman that if he was talking to somebody he, they're the most important person in the world. He had this ability to just focus on somebody and really be very genuine with them. He was kind of cute that way. And also, any woman was a possibility. Anyone. <laughs> Absolutely. Any size, shape, age, height, anything right. was, was a possibility for Flav. He didn't have mm-hmm. a, like, a type, I mm-hmm. guess. And Super charming. Yeah. Super charming. And he was... That uh, is fascinating. That is, he's yeah. very, indeed. He's very, <laughs> very, very <laughs> charming. I mean, myself, you know, I've spent a lot of time, personal time with Flav in his room. I'd get him ready for the day. We'd talk about his schedule for the day. I'd spend all... I was everything to him, his bouncer, his food wrangler, everything. <laughs> and there were times where I was like, 
you're so sweet. You're just my darling, you know? And I'm like, I gotta leave the room for a while. <laughs> what the hell's going on here? <laughs> this is true. And there were times where I was like, I wanna wow. strangle you, you know? Yeah, like sure. you love him like a brother, like a like a right. like a husband, like a boyfriend. Like he is seriously charming. Wow. Lovely guy. He lived it for real. Like for him, every one of the little relationships was a real relationship, very important to him to figure out whether it was real or not. Or I think he believed that house was his. Which yeah, it wasn't, absolutely. you know. Like I no, really feel like he's house. Well, yeah. no, it was not. The, <laughs> no. the I think the women thought it was. They came yeah. and they thought oh, it was really okay. his house. But okay. it, but but sure. and we didn't really, you know, disabuse them of that. that that's okay. that thought. Right. But um, you know, there's a thing that happens with these um, bachelor type shows is that they become kind of a cult, or they become like a. Uh, it's Stockholm syndrome, is what yeah. it is. Mm-hmm. Is that there's there's we've taken away your cell phone and we've taken away your television mm-hmm. and we uh, you know you you are locked in this house for there's all intents n- and purposes. No communication to the outside world. Right, and and there's one man who's going to walk in the door at some point today and decide who gets a really good meal <laughs> and who's going to eat what's yeah. in the bottom yeah. of the refrigerator, and that guy becomes very powerful in your life obviously and then everybody's talking about him and Mm. everybody all anybody wants to do is talk about him and the producers are asking you about him and how you feel about him and all you do is think about this guy this guy this guy this guy and they get caught up in it in such a way that it becomes very real their emotional attachment to the bachelor and people would say how would people fall for flavor flavor that had to be fake right right no it's not nothing fake about it like they they just get into it and, right. and it's a weird thing because we'd see it they'd walk out the door from being eliminated and if you didn't interview them the second they hit this outside stair right. if you had to like you know set the camera up on sticks and get a focus or something they would snap out of it oh, they'd be wow like, oh, they go what <laughs> the like hell just what am I doing I'm go- I gotta right. go home like holy shit like, yeah, what have I just so done stupid. Yes. Yeah. Uh, but <laughs> instead they were really into it and they would you know they would cry in that final interview and then they would snap out of it that's always struck me about how excited the women get to go out on dates. Whereas, like, I don't think they're as much excited to go on a date as much as they're excited to, to leave. To like leave, for a yeah, hours. yeah. So like, but then there's everything. There's also, oh, well, the camera goes with them, and they're with yeah. the star, yeah, of and yeah. there's oh, the yeah. star and me, and then it's just him and me, and oh, right. Uh, there's a lot going on, obviously. Sure. Uh, so the question is, who's the joke on? Well, I mean, clearly. Unfortunately, I would say the disadvantaged group is the big group that's trying to date the one. Yeah. Right. But it, we did do it in both directions. We had female leads and men vying for their attention. Mm-hmm. So, and obviously, all the power rests with the bachelor in terms of that, uh, you know, who eventually wins. Right. So, I, what I'm proud of is the fact that we opened up a new population. You know, on The Bachelor, it's a very uh, sanitized cast, mm-hmm. uh, sanitized for network television. Yeah. Um, and it was kind of missing a big swath of the population that is not the princess type. Right. Um, and I think that we gave, we kind of gave a voice to people who had, now you see it all the time, obviously, but at the yeah. time, it was something new. The Bachelor analogy is really good because I know when I first started watching the of love shows that's what I loved was it was the bachelor without the pretense yeah. of class right where right. Right. Um, like it's just class. like it's like it is like I don't know <laughs> even the bachelor is just a bunch of women trying to like have sex with the same guy right, right. it's the same concept um, only like... at least in flavor of love someone will take a shit on the stairs right there's a little bit wider range she, of possibilities she <laughs> didn't do that it just she she had had to go to the I was like, wait a minute, I know we don't have no dogs in here, but they're on my stairs. Oh, no. Hey, yo. Oh, 
I'm like, where did this come from? Something is on herself, kid. <laughs> and everyone's like, oh, man, that's nasty, that's nasty. She's pooped, she's pooped. It was flame. Because we had the women standing there waiting for him to come down and um, do his elimination ceremony. Right. And it's like we schedule it for midnight, and it ends up being 3 in the morning. Oh, my God. And, but we have them stand there, and we take shots of them and close-ups and pan along them, and we're waiting for Flav and waiting for Flav. And then he was about to come down, and she said she needed to go to the bathroom. Mm. And I think the stage manager said, no, he's coming down. And so she had to wait and wait and wait, and then it became a problem. She waited too it long. She waited too long for yeah. lady. It happens so, yeah. It does happen. It does happen. Shit. <laughs> Yeah. Shit happens. Ooh, shit happens. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was a bit of a disaster for the network because they sure. did not, they actually asked us not to play that story at all. Oh. And we said, I don't know how because it's all anybody talked about in the house for three days. <laughs> right. So there's no way we have to. And then you should have seen the, the network notes about how to portray like the accident yeah. and what could be shown or not or <laughs> oh, how no. rapidly or how many Jesus frames of Christ. shit there could be <laughs> we had to trim several frames of shit sure. in order to make the, yeah, uh, I bet. the network cut I, that seems fair yeah. honestly given yeah because it's not good for children to see that no, I think that's what that is sure. all about mm -hmm. yep kids it's about the kids it's about the kids it's about the children sure. they shouldn't be Always. watching the show anyway they probably but... should yeah. <laughs> I mean probably yeah. not I don't I, know. so this question is just pure Gossip. Yes. Okay. Um, yes. Did any not true. Okay. Love that answer. Did any of the women on Rock of Love ever fall for Big John or vice versa? Oh, Lisa, maybe you would know that better than I would. Fall for Big John, I would have to say no. Okay. But there's a but. The but is, um, you know, when the women would be left behind, if Brett was out on a date and maybe Big John was around or they'd see him and they didn't see Brett for a couple days, you know, they get a little itchy scratchy. And, sure. you know, so there's a little bit of flirting going on both ways. Okay. You know, it would happen. But um, John, John, John knew his place. Yeah, he knew his I think place. he knew not to cross the Absolutely. boss. Absolutely. And Brett was the boss. <clears throat> yeah. Yes. You can definitely tell. Yes. To the point where it gets very strange at some time. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Ladies, as Brett said, I am his head of security as well as his friend. Therefore, his best interests are my best interests. That being said, we want you to have fun, but there are a few guidelines you must follow during your stay. One, no one enters Brett's room unannounced. Two, please don't touch the guitars. And three, please don't puke in a jacuzzi. Because I'm the one that's got to clean it. In like one of the early episodes of the said, first season, he's talking about some girl who's probably 22. And yeah. he's just going on and on about how dumb she is. But he misuses a bunch of adjectives like <laughs> sure while explaining it. Which is why I always love the editing on these shows where he's like, I think he said like, can you heard me? Tamara, you're beautiful. And you're staring at me. Or through me, possibly. I'm not really sure which. But I'm thinking, are you understanding the words coming out of my mouth? Okay, let me ask you this. Is it kind of strange just being in this situation of seeing all the girls and everyone just kind of hanging out? Or you don't know yet? Um, I don't know the details. I don't know the amount of time or the extent of anything. But I, I get it. And then I got worried. But then I looked at her body and I wasn't worried anymore. You got sexy feet, by the way. Oh, thanks. I was willing to excuse the fact that we couldn't hold a conversation because I felt that eventually 
We would find a way to communicate. If I had to beat on a log or send smoke signals. Were you gonna come down? You wanna hang? I am like, Brett, girl. <laughs> mm, okay. <sighs> like he said something very, very... Yeah, there's no oh, real wow. heroes there, are there? Yeah. <laughs> but I think that I... It feels good to like watch that kind of show sometimes where you're just like, you know what? I'm, I feel very free. It is. <laughs> it is a free, so free watching experience. Yeah, really I, I do. For everyone. Agree. Yep, everyone involved. For the rest of our interview with Mark Cronin and Lisa Lopez, tune in next week for a little bonus episode. Happy Thanksgiving. Thank you so much for listening to Dirtcast, and thank you to Mark Cronin and Lisa Lopez. Our show is produced by Levi Sharp. Moderno Mofidi is our executive director of audio. Our theme music is by Stuart Wood. This episode was mixed by Dan Powell. And if you want to send us a tip or just let us know what you think, hit us up at dirtcast at jezebel.com and please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts.